in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, when we consider the sin of Adam and Eve, it is obvious that our first parents had absolutely nothing of value that they could offer to God in reparation for their sin. Anything and everything that they had already belonged to God, who made, who created all things. But in spite of this utter poverty, God encouraged mankind to offer sacrifices in worship and in reparation for sin. God was willing to accept our offerings, our sacrifices, not because they were of great value to him, but because he recognized that they represented substantial effort on our part. In this way, God is sort of like the parent who is pleased to receive a gift from a young son or a young daughter, for example, after a summer camp. Small gifts that are received by parents from their children, not because the gift is very valuable, but because it represents the effort and also the love of the child for those who gave him or her life and who love him. In the Old Testament, we read about God's people offering him many sacrifices. The temple of Jerusalem was very busy with sacrifices all the time. Imagine a lot of blood and flies from cattle and lambs and goats through pigeons or hot loaves of bread that were continuously set before God in the tabernacle. For people who lived in the desert, in arid environment like the Jews, these things were of great value because they represented a great deal of work. The sacrifice of the New Testament follows similar lines. Priests offer small wafers of unleavened bread and little drink of wine in a golden chalice, perhaps just a few cents worth of materials just a token representation of our possessions and our industry. But of course, the real value in the sacrifice of the New Testament comes when the priest utters the words of Christ over these offerings, when through the power of Christ and also in the person of Christ, the priest can hold up that host and that chalice and truthfully say to God the Father, this is my body, this is my blood, and be offering to him not something from the dinner table, but rather 
offering to him his only begotten son. Instead of offering him the poor gift of mankind, Catholics thus offer God the only all-perfect gift. There is another sacrifice that God demands of his people. That is a sacrifice of keeping holy the day of the Lord. A sacrifice of our time, our busy time. We all think that we are busy. And here again, man is giving back something to God that he got from God in the first place. There would be no such a thing as time if God had not created the movement in the material universe. There would be no Sunday if God had not risen from the dead on the day after the seventh day. And God considers this sacrifice of our time so important that he orders it in the third commandment. God is not asking a lot from us. At a minimum, we must attend Mass on the Sundays and holidays of obligation throughout the year. Hopefully, we will do more than just show up at Mass. We will also go to confession, receive Holy Communion, we will arrive early enough to join in the Rosary, or we will make a practice of spending a part of our Sunday afternoon reading or doing something spiritual. God does not demand the impossible from us, or even the terribly inconvenient. And that is the message of today's gospel. The Sabbath is not a penalty placed on men, but rather to refresh them and to draw them closer to God. As our Lord says elsewhere, man is not made from the Sabbath, but rather the Sabbath was made for man. So on those days when transportation problems are real, let us think about winter snowy days in Wisconsin, or the need to care for the sick the elderly or the young, or some other urgent matter keeps us from attending Mass, we do not sin by staying home because it is exceptional and urgent. God also demands that we refrain from unnecessarily material works on Sunday and holidays. These works are called servile works. The shopping fever ought to happen some other time than Sunday. Here again, following our Lord's example, there are obviously exceptions. For some work must be performed on Sunday, like hospitals or gas stations. And work for the church or truly charitable works performed for those in need do not violate the spirit of the Lord's Day. Now, let me suggest 
one more thing that goes beyond the letter of the law. That is, that we ought to have a certain generosity in all the aspects of our spiritual life. As we have seen, we have nothing to give God except for what he has previously given us. In reality, our gift is more a gift of love or good intention. So we might consider doing more than what is strictly required of us, like being at Mass on a day when you have no reason or no obligation at all for being there. Yet the Lord's Day should never be thought as a penalty. It is without question a day of refreshment and rejoicing as the psalm says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice with him and be glad in it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.